Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Hey, welcome to the local church. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here to all my church family online, to everyone at Everglades Correctional, everyone here today, especially if you're a guest. We're so glad you're here. I want to tell you a little bit about myself. If you've been here for some time, you know I talk a lot about food. I love eating food, right? I, I live to eat. Anyone else here live to eat? Like, you don't just eat to live. It's like, what's for dinner and what's for lunch? And, and what are we having next week? And where are we going on vacation? Because I want to search the restaurants. I live to eat. If food is set before me, I'm so excited, I just eat it. Now, part of that is because I live to eat. I just love food. But the other part of it is because I've learned this difficult lesson in marriage early on that whatever is set before me, I have to eat that. And so if you're single, looking to get married, young in marriage, men especially, and you want to stay married, let me give you a little bit of advice from from a life lesson that I had to learn early on. Uh, Early on in our marriage, my wife and I, we had three foster kids living with us. We were both serving at a church in a local community doing student ministry. picked them up from school. I'm still working. I'm having meetings. I'm so hungry. And, and, and I love food so much that I plan my week around food. And so I was craving very specific food and I wanted to eat it. And so I get home and all I can think about is this food. But I walk in and lo and behold, like the house smells good. My wife, she's a phenomenal cook. No one cooks better Thanksgiving than she does. And so like she's cooking food. It's going to be a great meal. I'm so excited. So we all sit down at the table and she begins to serve every Everybody, and the food comes in front of me, and um, I don't want to be in trouble. My anniversary is next week, so um, let me just say this. I didn't want to eat what was set before me. I was craving something else so significantly that even though what was in front of me was good, I was like, uh, I don't want to eat it. But I wanted to be a good example to the foster kids, and I didn't want to say, oh, why did you make this? I don't want this. I want something else. And so I lied to my wife. Lord, forgive me. I lied to my, my wife, and I said, I'm not feeling very well. My stomach just is not sitting well with me, so I'm just going to have some water to soothe my stomach, and I'm just going to go upstairs and, and just rest. Now, I just want to point out that I forsook food to only consume water. And physically, that's foolish. Amen? If there's food in front of you and you have the choice between food and water, you should probably take the caloric intake because over time, if you continue to forsake food and only consume water, it's going to get back to you. It's going to affect you negatively. But here's what I want you to understand today. That spiritually, even though physically that's something you should not do, spiritually, when we forsake caloric intake to focus on only consuming water, there is power in that. Turn to someone and say, we're going to drink some water today. Like, what does that mean? In God's word, oftentimes water is represented of his word and his spirit. And so today we're going we're gonna to lean into the spirit of God and we're going to read his word today. Now, I just want to let you know, pray for our Spanish translation right now because I'm teaching a lot today. I'm not preaching so much. There's a lot to learn. So we're going to be reading a lot of passages and I'm going to talk really quick through this. If, if you are listening through a translator today, it's not their fault. It's my fault. I'm rushing through this. But you guys with me? 
We got a lot to cover. Let's jump into it. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. We read this last week. It says, when, when they came to the disciples, when Jesus and, and Peter, James, and John came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, they were greatly amazed, ran up to him and greeted him. Verse 16. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it sees him, it throws him to the ground. He foams and grinds his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples, to cast it out, and they were not able. And Jesus answered them, say this with me, O faithless generation. That's important. How long am I to bear with you? How long am I to, to be with you? Bring him to me. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. We talked about that last week. It was so powerful. And when he had entered the house, verse 28, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast out? Verse 29, Jesus said to him, this kind cannot be driven out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 17. You can follow along on the screens or via your app as well. This is a different account of the same circumstance, and you'll find that it has a lot of similar details. Matthew, he recounts it as this, verse, 17, uh, verse 14, Matthew chapter 17. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, kneeling before him, and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. So Jesus answered, say it with me, oh faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. The boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Verse 20, he said to them, because of your little faith, of your unbelief. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as small as a seed of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Isn't that good? If we just have a little bit of faith, a little bit of belief in who he is, nothing will be impossible to us. Verse 21, though, here's what it says. However, this kind does not come out and go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I said this last week, and I want to bring attention to it today. Depending on your translation, you may not have verse 21 in there. Last week, we talked about how the word and fasting was not in Mark. And, and now I'm saying in, in Matthew chapter 17, depending on your translation, you may not have verse 21 in there. Why is that? Because as we've discovered more ancient manuscripts of, and copies of the Bible, we found that the older ones did not include some of the ones that the newer manuscripts had. And let me just stop you right there. And if you're thinking, well, does that mean we can't trust God's word as true and inspired by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. No, that's not what it means. Because compared to other historical documents that we consider truth that, that only have maybe dozens of manuscripts that were original copies, we literally have tens of thousands of biblical manuscripts of copies of this ancient text. And I want you to understand this. 99.5% of them from the earliest to the latest are accurate in translation to one another. 99.5%. And that 0.5% that's different between some of the old ones and some of the newer ones, that 0.5%, the overwhelming majority is incongruencies in grammar or punctuation. And get this, 
100% of them do not take away from the message of God in his word. The message that he is God, that he is love, that he sent his one and only son named Jesus, who if we believe in him, we have eternal life. He fills us with his spirit. He prepares a place for us forever. This is the grace of God. None of them take away from that message. Most of them are just punctuation or grammatical words are switched around. So again, in the case of, of what we read last week of not including fasting or at the end of Mark chapter 16, uh, the, some verses are omitted in, in earlier translations. And, and even right now in Matthew chapter 17, can I tell you it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter that it doesn't include prayer and fasting. Why? We talked about this last week. Because what prayer and fasting represent is dependency. Say dependency. dependency. Say it one more time. Say Dependency. This whole series that we're talking about awakening, it's about us understanding the power of prayer and fasting, of releasing to God what we think is important and needed and receiving from him his revelation, his direction, his purpose in our life. And so last week, as we started this series, remember, we, we talked about the problem. The reason this boy could not be healed, the problem wasn't primarily that the disciples didn't pray or fast enough, because it's not about doing, it's about being. Praying and fasting, that was a secondary action to the primary problem. The primary problem we talked about was what? It was unbelief. Jesus said that you are faithless, and this is why it happened. And so if you're wondering today why maybe some of your prayers don't seem to be answered by God, can I tell you it's probably a connection problem. It's not because you're not doing all of the right things. Did, did I say the right prayer? Did, did I do the rosary the right way? Did I go to the right priest? Did I do the hand motions the right way? I'm not sure which way goes. Am I supposed to kneel? Am I supposed to stand up? Which prayer should I read? The problem is not that you didn't do the right things. The problem is that you are depending on the wrong things. That you're depending on the wrong person. It wasn't simply because they didn't pray and fast enough. In fact, Jesus gives the problem before he even talks about prayer and fasting. Verse 18 in Mark chapter 9, whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, what? Oh, faithless generation. In Matthew chapter 17, the, the, the author expands on it. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. Verse 17, and Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation. So the problem, again, is unbelief. You don't have faith. And, and Matthew, he actually expands upon this. He says that it is faithlessness, it is unbelief, and also that you're getting things twisted. To quote uh, the great theologian Tupac, don't get it twisted. And for some of you who got that reference, you're probably getting it twisted. See, another translation, it says, you are faithless and perverse. And I know when we hear that word perverse, we think of perverts. We think of someone who is morally bankrupt. But that's not the definition of perverse. And that's certainly not what they meant. To be perverted means that you are operating outside of your original intent. 
something that is perverse, someone who is perverse in behavior, they are doing things that they were not created to do. And so the problem, number one, is is that, that we are faithless, and the other problem is that we are Perverse, And no, I'm not calling you a faithless pervert. I, I want to I explain this even more. We have to understand this. It's not about the doing, it's about the being, but we have to understand what it entails. And so I want you to write this down. To be faithless means that we are not connected to God. This is the best way I can explain it. To be faithless means we are not connected to God. There's not been time spent in his presence, spent in relationship. And that has created a distance through doubt. Again, like last week, doubting doesn't mean you are disqualified from being used by God. All of us, we experience doubt in our walk with him from time to time. But doubt is an indicator that there is a disconnect between us and God. There's a disconnection there. And so what we need, turn to your neighbor and say, I need some water. Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Did you hear that? Faith, our faith, our belief in him grows as we spend time hearing in his presence. So that will solve the the connection problem between us and God. But the problem is not just that, that we lack faith. The problem is also that we have twisted things, that we are perverse. And when God says perverse, I want you to write this down. To be perverse means that we're too connected outside of God. Do you understand that? So the first issue is we are disconnected from him. The second issue is we are too connected to some other things that don't matter. We're too connected to some things that are diluting or polluting our relationship with him. God says you're, you're not connected to me and you're too connected to the things of the world. And so again, if, if you've ever experienced, if you're currently experienced that there's not the breakthrough that, that I've hoped for, that something is missing, the problem probably is a connection error. The problem is a dependency issue. So he gives the problem, but the hope is that he also gives a solution Let's go back to Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why can we not cast it out? He said, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say this mountain, move here to there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Verse 21 again. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Again, the solution now is prayer and fasting. And fasting, but hear this, okay? This is, this, is gonna, this is gonna sound a little bit confusing. It's not actually prayer and fasting. It's what prayer and fasting represent. It's not if I make sure that I pray, check that off, and I make sure that I fast, check that off, that I can do the impossible. Because prayer and fasting represent dependency. Prayer and fasting is what helps get us dependent on God's presence. Do you understand that? Again, there's a lot of teaching today, a lot of scripture, a lot of notes. Write this down. Prayer connects us to God's presence. That's what it does. Prayer connects us to the presence of God. Why? Because what is prayer? Prayer is communication and community with God. 
We have a relationship, not a religion. It's not, did I check off the boxes? Was I in his presence? And what prayer does, it connects us to God because we are communicating to him. We are spending time in community. And this solves a whole unbelieving part. The more time we spend in relationship with God, not religion, not church services, not saying different things or crossing and kneeling and standing communion, but actually being in his relationship, the more time we spend in communication and community with God, it builds our confidence in his love for us. I mean, I just want you to think about like how your confidence builds. Some of you, like you have a smartphone and I see this on the road often. I see people at, you know, driving the car and just texting without even looking. It's foolish, but you know why they can do that? Because they've taken intentional time to really understand how this works. Some of you, you can't, some of you can't even type by looking at it. So you ask your grandkids, how do I do this? How do I send that? But how did they get so good? Because of intentional time with that thing. How you master anything in life is being intentional with your time. And the more time you spend doing that thing, the more comfortable and the more confidence you have in your ability to work it and its ability in your life. And the same is especially true in our relationships. You want to build a healthy relationship? It takes intentional time. And so the more time, the more intentional time we spend with God, the more our confidence rises in his love for us and who he is and what he's called us to do. Our confidence rises when we spend intentional time with him. And when we pray, we're, we're, we're communicating, we're spending community, and the fruit of that is we move from unbelief to faith because we know the one in whom we are relationship with. But again, that's just the we're not connected enough to him. There's another problem. We're getting things twisted. Things are perverse in our life. And this is where fasting comes in. Write this down. Fasting disconnects us from the world's distractions. That's what fasting does. It disconnects us from these things that don't matter much, from the distractions in the world. And this is so important for us to understand. One of the least known disciplines in a Christian life is fasting. We know so much about prayer. People far from God know about prayer. They know the power of prayer. They meditate. They, they speak out to the universe. They're not speaking out to God. But even us as believers, we may understand prayer. But what so many of us don't participate in is fasting. And so here's what fasting is. Fasting is a disconnector of things that don't matter. We're, we're, we're not connected enough. We spend time in prayer. We are too connected to the things of the world. Fasting is a disconnector of things that don't matter. L let me try to explain it this way. Many of you may know that we are made in the image of God. And part of that being made in the image of God is we are a triune being as well. Meaning this, we're made up of three parts. We're made up of our body, we're made up of our soul, we're made up of our spirit. Those three things make you who you are. There are some things in creation that are only one of those. Like a tree, for instance, that is only physical. A tree only has a body. A tree does not have feelings. When you talk to your plants, it doesn't really work because they are just a body. Now, there's some, many things in creation that are also a body and a soul. Take, for instance, animals. 
Animals have a physical body and animals have a soul. Animals have feelings. If you have a dog and, and your dog loves you and you love your dog and you care for your dog, when it sees you, it wags its tail. But when it sees an enemy, it tucks its tail, right? Dogs have a body and dogs have a soul. And some of you are like, so, so what are you saying? Do they not have a spirit? Do dogs not go to heaven? Cats definitely don't. That much I know for sure. <laughs> don't write me an email. I'm joking. No, I'm not. <laughs> but us, we are body, we are soul, and we are the only thing in creation that God breathed his spirit into. We are a triune being. And so with that understanding, I want you to see how this helps this disconnection problem. The, remember, the problem is we're disconnected from God and we're too connected to things that don't matter in the world. And so how does this play in when we were created to be connected? Three things real quick I want you to write down. We were created to be in connection, to be in community. Genuine community and connectedness is what God has created us for. And this is how it works inside of us. Your body is connected to ourselves. What we the pain that we feel, the, the, the self-consciousness is, is what keeps us self-connected. I get hungry, I get tired, I have appetites. And all these things I need to be aware are happening in my body. The body is connected to ourselves. The soul is connected, write this down, to others. The soul is our personality. The soul is our feelings. Our personality is not found in the exterior. It's found in the soul that God has placed in us. Our soul is, is how we connect to other people. The feelings we have towards them. The desires we have towards them. The, the relationships we build with them. But here's a third thing. The spirit is connected to God. So I want you to keep those up. We have our body that helps us be self-connected. We, you know, we, we, we know when we're tired. We know when we're hungry. We have our, our soul that connects in relationship with other people. But the spirit is what connects us in God. When God breathed into us his spirit, this made us eternal beings with the opportunity to be in relationship with him. And as you look at that, I want you to observe something maybe in your own life that, that, that one of those is stronger. And whichever one of these is stronger disregards and overpowers the other ones. That's why if your soul is stronger, if your feelings are stronger, it will operate to the disregard of your body. You think about someone who's depressed. It will destroy their body as it goes from the mind to, to every part of you. When someone's body is in control, they disregard their feelings. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. I don't care. I'm going to sleep when I want to. I'm going to do what I want. And oftentimes you wake up in the morning like, why did I do that? It's because your body disregards your feelings. It does what it wants to. But the last one, when the spirit is the strongest. I want you to go home and here's some homework for this week. I want you to read Romans 8 because that's what it's about. It talks about someone who is led by the Spirit, that they don't listen to their flesh. They don't listen to their feelings. Someone who's led by the Spirit, amazing things happen. Power, 
connection, direction, hope, purpose. And this is the beauty of prayer and fasting. Again, it's not did I pray and fast? Is am I dependent on the presence of God and prayer and fasting? Here's what they do. Prayer strengthens our spirit while fasting weakens our body and our feelings. You understand that? When we spend time with God in prayer, our faith strengthens. And when we spend time fasting, our feelings and our, 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 our what's the other F word I was trying to think of? Our feelings and, and our, our emotions and all of those things, they now are subject to the Spirit. This is why this is so important. And when we do this, an awakening happens. God opens up our spiritual eyes to the supernatural that he wants to do in our lives because we're not listening to our flesh. We're not listening to what our feelings feel in the moment. We're being led by the spirit of God and prayer and fasting help us to experience this dependency that will lead to an awakening. I told you, today is a lot of teaching, and I just, I want to prep the ground for what's going to happen through the remainder of this series. I want to talk about this awakening that I believe God is going to allow us to experience and what he's going to release upon us. And so starting this Wednesday, we're going to participate in private and corporate prayer and fasting together as a church. And here's the reason why. There's three reasons why we're going to take intentional time to pray and fast. It's all about dependency, but I want you to write this down. Awakening, number one, is about our focus. Say focus. Awakening, this awakening that we're going to experience is all about our focus. And here's what focus is. Write this down. Focus is the fruit of what you decide not to look at. Do you understand that? I want you to see it that way. Focus is the fruit of what you decide not to look at. So I, I want everyone to focus on me right now, okay? See, that worked. All of you, you took your eyes off of your device, your paper, person next to you, and you looked up. You all have vision. You can see everything in here, but you can have vision without focus. When I focus in on the camera, I can see all of you here in person, but, but I'm choosing not to look at you. I'm choosing to look at the camera and to people who are at home and people who are at Everglades Correctional. I have vision, but we can have vision without focus. And so what focus is, is I'm deciding not to put my attention onto other things. That's what this awakening is about. For us to take intentional time to focus on what matters most. And so let me ask you, what are you paying attention to right now? Okay, not literally right now. I mean, in this season in your life, smarty pants. Let me explain this practically. Here's what this awakening is going to look like. Some of us, it may mean that we take the focus off of our phones off of scrolling through social media and, and, and everyone's fake Instagram lives. What, what, what are we giving our attention to? We need to focus. Some of us, maybe it's, it's putting aside the Netflix binging for this season because that's not as important as what God wants to do in our life. And it's not just about what we're looking at, it's what we're listening to. 
I want to be careful how I say this, okay? Because being in relationship with people is what God has created us for, okay? God did not create us to be alone. We are created for connection. But, but some of the people that we listen to are faithless. And they distract us and they depress us with all of the bad news and all of the things going wrong. And I'm not saying we cancel them. I'm not saying we unfriend them. But I'm saying if we want to intentionally grow, we need to take our focus off of all the negativity of what they are saying and turn our ears towards the Spirit of God. Don't clap just yet. Because some of you are like, yes. You teach those young people, stop listening to all those millennials and stop looking at Facebook. For some of you, many of you who are maybe older than the age of 40, maybe you need to stop listening to all the talking points on your favorite news station. (laughs) The applause was louder because they're younger hands. Listen. News is important. We should be aware of what's happening so we can be a positive change in our local community and beyond. But here's what I'm saying. So much of that distracts us and takes our attention off what's most important. And so I'm not saying don't be uninformed. I'm not saying don't, 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 don't be informed about what's happening. But what I am saying is that God's word says that if we seek first his kingdom, that everything that we need will be added unto us automatically. And so you tell me what's the more important use of our focus and our attention. Over 21 days for us, it's going to be a time of focus. And let me tell you something. 21 days of focus can create more fruit than 21 years of us being unfocused. And I believe that as we give attention, even if you've been walking with God for some season and have not seen breakthrough, that God is going to do it in this time. So number one, this awakening is about our focus. The second thing is this. Awakening is about our fasting. Okay, it's not about doing the fasting and doing the prayers, what it represents. It represents dependency. But as we partake in it, we have to understand what fasting is. And so write this down. Fasting is an intentional abstinence of any form of physical gratification to achieve a greater spiritual goal. Here's what fasting is. It's an intentional abstinence of saying no to any form of physical gratification to achieve a greater spiritual goal. Now again, we haven't talked a whole lot about fasting as a church familia, but it's something that we are going to put into practice starting this Wednesday. Because not only will it give us focus, but it will set us free. And so I want you to understand If you've grown up in South Florida, you've grown up in the church, maybe for you, when when, when pastors and and preachers and churches talk about fasting, for you, it's abstaining from the thing that takes away from your immediate focus, like the Instagram, like the PlayStation 5, like all the news stations, like all the things that you fix your attention on that aren't that important. And I'm telling you, that's good. Last, after last service, someone said, are you fasting hair products? Like, why does your hair look all crazy? No, that's not how it works, okay? (laughs) There are many ways and many things we can fast. But when we look at the people of God, 
the disciples of Jesus and our King and Savior himself, the primary way of fasting is food. It's food. And so I want to admonish my church familia that over these 21 days starting this Wednesday, that, that you would forsake and set aside food. Maybe for you, it, it's, it's a whole day of meals. Maybe for you, it's just one meal. Maybe for some of you, it's just drinking juice or, or, or you know, having an apple or something like that. But, but we, have to, we have to let go of what we think we need to survive to find that, that he is everything we need to survive. And I get it for someone like me who, when I'm bored, I eat, I, I live to eat, I think about life in the forms of what is in front of me and what can I put on a fork and stuff into my mouth. Like, it makes sense. But for some of you who, who don't live to eat, but you eat to live, you're saying, well, this is punishment. I barely eat enough as is. You're telling me to forsake it. Listen, fasting is not simply about denial. It's about a pursuit. How we fast is we abstain from things but what fasting is about is not about saying, no, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to say no. I'm going to deny. It's about pursuing him. L let me tell you, I want to lead as an example. This is not just something we say and we don't do. And so I want to tell you what God has put on my heart to do over these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Every single Wednesday, I'm going to fast for 24 hours. I'm going to abstain from every form of food. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to drink water like I did that, that day early on in my marriage that I messed up. But I'm going to abstain from eating foods. Why? As an intentional time to focus on God. And I want to encourage you. We're starting this Wednesday because I want you to pray and plan. You know, for some of you, maybe you can't do that. I understand that. I'm not a nutritionist. Hear this carefully, okay? If I tell you what to do, that is religion. A lot of you will follow that. I'm not saying do what I say. I'm saying you pray, you prepare, you plan. Maybe you need to talk to your doctor. Maybe you need to talk to your nutritionist. Maybe he'll say, you know, maybe you can do a meal. Maybe you can do the whole day. And hear this, even if you fail, don't lose heart. It's not about did I do the thing? It's about why am I doing this? It's not about denying yourself. It's about pursuing his presence. And it's showing God, Lord, Lord, you are more important to me than what the world says I need to survive. And when we do that, God is not obligated to answer our prayers. This isn't a transaction. If I fast, I get what I want. But there is an exchange that happens. When we say, Lord, you are all I need, you're the only thing I need in this world to survive. He gives us the supernatural strength and direction and provision and protection and revelation that we need to be used by him. Third thing is this. Awakening is about our feeding. I thought we were just talking about fasting. Now you're talking about feeding. Listen, hear this. If all you do is abstain from food, that's dieting. We're not here to diet. I'm not going to lead this church in dieting, okay? We need to feed. We need to feast on God's words. So again, starting this Wednesday, pray, prepare, 
plan out, plan out meals, plan out what that looks like. Starting this Wednesday, we're gonna open up this auditorium at 7 a.m., for us to come together for 30 minutes from 7 a.m. to 7.30. We try to make the best time where people have young kids, high schoolers, a workplace. You can come and you can participate. We're, we're gonna worship God together. We're gonna praise him together. We're gonna take time to abstain from, from physical pleasures and, and, and food during that time, but we're also gonna feed on God's word. And over this 21 days, over these four Wednesdays, these 21 Wednesdays, these 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're also gonna have 21 prayer points and 21 passages that you can follow along on social media or, or via our app. And, and we're gonna read God's word together and, and we're gonna grow together and we're going to put them into practice. We're going to feast on him together. And when we do that, what could happen? I mean, just think, if all of us are saying, Lord, we're coming together to seek you, we're saying nothing else will do, and we're going to live that out as you press on our hearts, and you're going to sustain us, what would happen if we did that as a church, Familia? Awakening. God will open up our eyes and our hearts and our hands to receive everything that he wants to give to us. As our worship team comes up, I know I went over time today. I told you there's gonna be a lot of teaching today, but, but I need to go through this final passage, okay? So I'm not even gonna ask for your permission. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58. As our worship team comes up and we get ready to, to close today, Isaiah 58 is all about fasting. It talks about what happens when the people of God come together and say, Lord, you're all that I need. And I'm, I'm going to put aside what I think is important. I'm going to put my focus and my attention on you because you are all that I need. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, three specific things that will happen when we surrender and release what we think is important to him. Three specific things when we fast. Isaiah 58, 8, it says this. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedingly. What happens when we fast is there's healing. And I believe over these 21 days that God is going to bring healing to this house. I believe relationships will be healed. I believe emotions will be healed. I believe that there will be healings of sicknesses upon people's lives. God's word says it, that when we say, Lord, you're all that we need, we find that he is all that we need. And he says, I'll bring healing speedily. Isaiah 58, 8, it says, your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Second thing it talks about is righteousness. Now, righteousness does not mean perfect. We're not going to become perfect in this. What righteousness means, that, that, that we are right with God. Some of us, we've gone off track. Some of us, we've been so disconnected from him and so connected to the things of this world that we find ourselves off track. And righteousness just means that we're being made right with God again. And I believe relationships with God are going to flourish in this time. I believe, I was talking with Pastor Johnny uh, at the end of last service, and we were just talking about, we remember the first time that we prayed for the unbelievers in our lives. We remember our first love, and I believe that God is going to restore some of that. God is going to bring us back to get this holiness. And when you think of your life, maybe you don't think holiness, but what holiness means is simply set apart for God's use. 
You are no longer perverse. You're no longer getting things twisted. You are right with God again. So he says he's gonna bring healing. He says he's gonna bring holiness. And the third thing is this, Isaiah 58, nine. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Here's the third thing. He's gonna bring help. He's gonna bring healing. He's gonna bring holiness. He's gonna bring help. I believe God is gonna answer our prayers in this time. He may answer yes and release to us what he's been preparing for us. He may say no to your prayers, but that's still an answer because he will give you what you need and maybe not what you desire. But I believe that we will have help. And what does it say? He says, here I am. The help is him. The help is his presence. So we're starting this Wednesday. And if you can't be here in person, don't feel guilty. Don't feel like I gotta be there. I gotta forsake my responsibilities. No, starting this Wednesday, we're we're gonna take time together, wherever you are, if you're here or you're at home, and we're gonna pray and we're gonna fast and we're gonna surrender what we think is important as we lead to the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus and how he's gonna bring new people to, to come to new life in him. But all of it begins today. We're setting the tone today. And here's how I want to set the tone like we do every single week. It's simple. Just ask God those two questions. What are you teaching me? What do you want me to do about it? See, throughout this time, I intentionally did not say, here's how you are too connected to the world. And here's how you are disconnected to the world, to to, to God. Because if I simply told you, a lot of you would simply do it. And again, that's religion and that's not relationship. And that defeats the whole purpose of this awakening. So it starts off by, by us listening and leaning into the spirit of God and saying, where have I gone astray? What have I clinged on to that I need to release to you? And as you ask him that, lean in and listen, because I'll tell you what he promises. He will bring conviction. And don't be afraid of that conviction. It's not condemnation. The enemy brings condemnation. You didn't do it enough. You didn't pray enough. You didn't fast enough. You failed. No, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction that will get you closer to him. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.